All right. Good morning. Boy, it's good to see you all. We had a, we had a first service that was just as full as this. Um, it was great. And uh, thank you for being here. I uh, want to say a couple of things. One, Chris is back with us. Our sports and recreation minister is back. And our favorite Florida Highway Patrolman, Sergio, is back. We are so glad to have them. Yeah, praise God, right? Get to see them back here with us. All right, if you have your celebration guide, uh, there are a few of you I met that this is your first time. So I would ask you if you would please uh, fill this out, the registration, and drop it in the offering plate. A lot of little things here. Today is a biggie for our kids. They're having the children's ministry, a turkey trot thing here in the back here in the children's area. So that'll start at 2 o'clock from 2 to 4. Um, of course, Sunday night live with the youth. That's still got a great, great thing going there. If you haven't joined that yet, kids, you need to be in there 6th grade through 12th grade. Um, you can read the details about basketball. Uh, actually, go on the website. You'll get more uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Sunday. The, they're on here uh, of what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. Uh, looking on the back side, uh, the uh, Joy Group, that's our um, seniors, they have their uh, church chili cook-off thing coming up, the festival. Um, and then the ownership class, you, if you're interested in that, um, that's membership. And then let you know, you Wednesday night folks, we will meet again this Wednesday night. Um, and then, of course, the next Wednesday is right the day before Thanksgiving. We take that off. Then we'll come back for the next Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month. And then we take off for the holidays. And that gets us to January the 1st. So too many people coming and going starting in December. And I get too many requests of, I missed it. Can you give me this? I missed it. Can you? So we just wait till you're all back together. All right. Again, we're glad that you're here. Please stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
Jesus, we are so thankful. You are so holy. And God, we think about how, how we are and how good you are. And Father, all we can say is holy, holy, holy. Father, just as we look and about to collect our tithes and offerings, Father, we pray that we use it to further your kingdom. Father, we pray that you would use it to glorify you in our county, in our country, in our world. Father, we pray that you would be with us. Let us receive your word this morning and let us um, apply it to our lives in the best way we know how. Father, pray these things in your name. Amen. still taking up the offering. We don't want to interrupt that. So we'll just let them go. While we're doing that, uh, are there lights over here? There. Nancy Alfred, right next to you. What, what is, I forget her first name. Lena. Lena was in the paper singing. Lena goes to the uh, key training center. And I didn't know you sang in there. She is. Sang in New York. She sang at a concert in New York. And she's got the lead role. What's the name of the play? Annie. Yeah. Bless her heart. Thank you, Lena. Thank you so much. I wanted to say Rena, but I knew that wasn't right. That's why I asked you. All right. You know what? When we were singing that song, Holy Forever. I was just ready, Lord, just come take us now. You know, while we're singing that, just especially when it said, oh, let your people sing, holy, just, you know, hearing you all. Imagine what it would be like to hear every Christian in the world all together singing that right there. Just awesome. Anyway, we are, this is the last sermon in this series on overcoming the life's hurts. And today we're going to be talking about how do you stay calm when there's a crisis going on. And the first sermon we did was on resentment and how we need to learn to forgive others. The second one was on regret, how we can learn to forgive ourselves. The third sermon was on um, uh, when you have a prodigal child and hope for hurting parents. And that brings us to today. I love this sermon. I don't love all the sermons I preach. I can tell you that right now. I don't. Sometimes I walk out of here and think, man, that was a bum. 
You know, that, that just, that wasn't right. Maybe I missed God's call for today or whatever. But anyway, I love this sermon today because Acts 27, if you have your Bible, your device, of course, the uh, scriptures will be on the screen. This is a fascinating passage of scripture to me. It's the story of a shipwreck. And I've often wondered, not recently years, but in the early years of being a believer, I would wonder, well, wonder why that's in the Bible. That's just a story. But listen, then whenever you read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it's an answer for all of that. So let's read that out loud together um, as it comes up on the screen. Let's read it together. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. There's my answer. Every single thing in the Bible is there for a reason. And, and we learn from it. There's, there, he says here, all of it. How much is all? All of it. That happened to be for them all the Old Testament. The teaching, reproof, correction, instruction, and so forth. So I believe that this story is in the Bible to teach us more than just a shipwreck, but how we can be confident when we're going through a shipwreck in our life. See, there, there's three kinds of storms, I believe, in life. There are storms that we bring on ourselves. Uh, an example in the Bible, of that would be like Samson. There are storms that God allows or even brings. Uh, I think then of the, the disciples that he told to get in the boat, go on the water, and the storm came up, and it was to teach them a demonstration of faith. And then there are storms that other people cause. Without a doubt, that's the hardest to deal with, is storms that other people cause. When you're an innocent party and when you are the victim. Now, that, this is going to be the case here. They got into a shipwreck, and Paul happened to be on board. It wasn't his fault. And by the way, if you're a new Christian or if you've not crossed over that line yet but you're thinking of it, let me just tell you um, up front that storms don't play favorites. And Christians have trouble too. You know, we go through storms just like everybody else. But how do you deal with them? I believe that this passage is put in the Bible to teach us how to deal with a crisis, how you can remain calm, have courage and confidence, even though you're going through something hard. Now, the background, and there's a lot of background, so let me just share with you my part. The background of the story is that God put Paul on board this ship. They were going to go to Rome. Paul had said earlier, my heart desire is to preach in Rome. Well, God said, okay, we'll do it, but you're not going the way you think. You're going to go as a prisoner. Paul is a prisoner on this ship. And they had, of course, a, a Roman soldier and people that watched all the other prisoners that might be there going to Rome. And yet, while they were on board, God told Paul, you need to tell this crew, don't leave the harbor because there's going to be a storm out in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. But they ignored God, what he told them, and they got impatient. Now, that's where we get into trouble every time. We become impatient. And let me tell you something. When you become impatient, you're going to run right into a storm. 
I mean, it, it might be you're impatient to get married or you're impatient to get that new job or you're impatient and you think you ought to move and you didn't check it out with God first. I'm going to tell you, you're going to sail right into a storm until you ask God what to do or not to do. All right, in the end of Scripture, verse 11 says this. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. It will bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and to our own lives also. And yet, what did they do? They went sailing right into the storm. Why? Well, it's interesting to me, but I believe this passage is going to show us three of the most common reasons that we people get ourselves into a mess. Here we are over 2,000 years later, and I'm going to tell you, human nature hadn't changed. I mean, we, we just don't, evidently, we don't learn. Now, let's see what these reasons are. I love this way of preaching because I'm going to give you a scripture. Then we're going to make the point and talk about it. Verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. First reason we get into a mess we listen to the wrong experts. We listen to the wrong experts. Man, there are so many experts out there today that they think they are. And there's all these, you know, you watch them on TV, especially in the political realm, and they'll say, oh, this is a political expert, you know, in, in this field or that field, you know, and, and, and yet what they're telling you is, is lies. What they're telling you is not is not true. And you know what they do? They'll just go from one expert to the next till they find somebody that agrees with them. And they'll, of course, then pay them to say what they want them to say. You know, and people will, uh, and, and I'm going to write a book um, in the near future on 150 ways to get rid of back pain because that's about how many you, uh, ways that you've all told me that I could get rid of back pain. You know, a preacher, what you got to do is, I mean, it works, preacher, bananas and yogurt. Eat bananas and yogurt, and it'll take the back pain away. No, I was kidding about that. But Or get in a strange position, you know, a lotus position, and just, um, you know, and, and that's, that's the key to life. Some people just keep asking the experts till they hear what they want to hear. But, folks, when you listen to the wrong people instead of God, you're going to get in a problem. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable for in winter, the majority, there's a key right there, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix, and that's not Arizona, that's a town in Crete, an island, and to winter there. This was a harbor in Crete that was facing southwest and northwest. The second reason we get ourselves into a mess we take a vote. We take a vote. See what they said? Well, what's the majority opinion? <clears throat> and I'll, I was going to tell you later, but I'll tell you now. There were 276 people on this boat. 276. It's quite a bit for back then. And they would just say, well, what's the majority opinion? Well, the fact is, folks, the majority is often wrong. Even way back when Moses uh, had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. There were a couple of million of them at least, and about a million and three quarters of them complained and said, let's go back to Egypt, you know, the, the majority. When they were getting ready to go in the promised land and they sent 12 of them out, a majority, 10 came back and said, we can't do it. Don't do it. We can't do it. 
So you can't, you don't always listen to the majority. And I will say it again now in America, it, I don't believe it was this way when I was a kid, but now um, in America today, the majority is most often wrong of what they believe about God, what they believe about politics, what they believe about anything. I mean, just take the abortion issue. And, and here just this last week, Ohio, Virginia, they all voted uh, to have abortion on demand. You can have an abortion up till the day the baby's born. And, there's, and, and, and it's legal. And they're not the only states. It's in a bunch of other states. So you don't just take a vote. And a vote does not always mean that God's in it. Amen? All right, number three. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Why do we get ourselves in trouble? Number three, we rely on circumstances. We look at the circumstances around us. Notice that scripture said there was a gentle south wind. What could be better? I mean, a nice, gentle, southern wind cruise on the Mediterranean. I mean, that's what they thought they had. I mean, it's like grooving, man, on a Sunday morning. You know, that's, that's, that's what it's like to them. They, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. The circumstances all looked favorable, right? It seemed like a good thing. Now, the fact is, and I want you to listen to this, it's so important, young people especially, it is crazy to ignore what God says to do or not do, even if the circumstances tend to contradict it. It's crazy to do that. It may look great. You know, we go by our feelings, and I've heard people say, actually said to me, well, preacher, you know, it's got to be okay. I mean, why would I feel this good about it? Well, you know, there's a song, you know, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Remember that? You know, and there's an, another one that said, how can it be so wrong if it feels so right? Well, the fact is, feelings lie. And those are circumstances. Folks, the circumstances may look good. Now, listen to this. But if God says, wait in the harbor, you better wait in the harbor. No matter how good it may look. There's a revealing phrase there. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. And when I talk to people in counseling and hear this over and over again, that they thought they had obtained what they wanted and, and they don't listen to what the Word of God says, and you can tell them all day, you're sailing right into a problem. You know, there's going to be a crisis here. Now, as you follow this story, within hours, it had happened. Let's, let's read it. Verse 14, 15. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, swept down from the island, and the ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind. See, we listen to the circumstances. Now, not only does this story teach us about why, but it teaches us what happens when you don't obey God and you get into that storm. So let's look at three things there real quick. And by the way, this is not so much as in the way of a criticism, but we typically, myself too, we typically do these three things immediately unless we're very careful and we're very in tune with the Word of God and we, want, we turn to Him quickly. So let's look at these reactions of what can happen. Verse number 15, 
the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 17, they let the ship be driven along. So what is the first thing that we do when a storm hits our life? We tend to drift. We tend to drift. What does that mean for us? We forget our values. We forget the morality that we were taught. We just start drifting. Folks, you got to realize back in those days, they didn't have a compass. They were in a storm. And the Bible tells us that for two weeks, 14 days, they couldn't see the stars or the sun. It was like total darkness. And when you're in a dark situation in your life and you can't see the stars and you don't have a compass, which by the way is the word of God, and you just let the waves beat you back and forth, sometimes life feels like that. Amen? I don't know about you, but there's been a time or two in my life where I felt like I'm just getting beat up. You know, I mean, no matter which way you turn, it's like the wind is there. And you, you, you're, you can get to the point to where you say, well, what's the use? You know, it, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to ch- change. So, you know, maybe I should just give up. You know, maybe I should just quit fighting it and go with the flow. But that's not all we do. We don't just drift if we don't turn to the Lord, verse 18. So we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. So what's the next thing we do? After we start drifting, we start discarding. We start throwing things away. Maybe our relationships. Maybe our, our, our you know, relationship at home. So it says the sailors started to throw the tackle They started to throw the cargo, and then it says that they started to throw the food out. Now, thankfully, they didn't throw it all out because they needed it a little bit later. But the sailors are now throwing stuff overboard, trying to make the ship lighter, and you'll find later they have to throw themselves overboard. But that's another story. The point is this. Often, when we get in a crisis, we are tempted to throw out the very things that should be the most precious. You quit reading your Bible. You quit praying. You quit coming to church. You know, you, the, the, the values, as I said, the values that you used to have, you, you become impulsive and you're tempted to, to do away with that. And you run out on people and you run out on things. So you discard. But listen, if you get to the point to where you're drifting and you're discarding things, you're going to come to number three. And that's in verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So what's the third thing? You despair. When it just keeps going on, in their case, 14 days, when it just keeps happening, you're tempted to despair. Once you start drifting away from God and discarding the morals of God, you start to despair. I mean, you picture that, folks, 14 days in total darkness in a ship out in the middle of the Mediterranean, getting bashed back and forth, throwing everything away, hearing that there may not be any hope, and that's what they said. Paul said about them, we finally gave up all hope. There are people probably in this room right now, hopefully not many, but the message would be for you. There may be some of you right now that feel that way. 
You've been going through a problem all last week or for weeks or for months or maybe even years. And you, you've been throwing things out in your life and you've been drifting along and, and now you, you feel like, what is the use? This is an impossible situation. Here is the point. Are you listening? They had forgotten that God is in control. We're going to talk about more of that in a minute. They had forgotten that God had a plan. And, and there's nothing they could do that was going to change the plan of God. See, the amazing part of this story to me is Paul's reaction. 180 degree turnabout from the way the sailors responded to the crisis. They're in a panic. They're sailors. They know what it's like to, to be where they are. But now it's so bad that they don't think they're going to make it. They've given up all hope. And yet when I look at that passage, I see Paul and his reaction. He's calm. He's confident. He's got courage. So I wanted to find out and learn how can I be confident in a, in a crisis. And all the, listen, and although the, the things we just talked about are natural reactions, we don't have to go there. We don't have to despair. If we will do what Paul's going to do here in just a minute, are you listening? Young people especially, please listen to this. The test of your faith, how do you handle it when problems come and you're tempted to despair? That's the test of your faith. Your character, and this is all of us, your character is revealed in a crisis. It's not made in a crisis. Your character, and this is so important, your character is made in the little, tiny, day by day, week by week, month by month, boring, routine things of life. When you're true to God in that, then when the, when the disaster happens, your character is revealed. But it's made way, 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 way before that. It's, it's, it's revealed when you get in that shipwreck. Okay, so what do we do? What did Paul do? When you feel like it's falling apart. Verse 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. What can we do? Drop some anchors. Did you know, uh, I know you know that the early Christian church had symbols. The cross was a symbol. A fish was a symbol. The third one was an anchor. The third one was an anchor of the Christian life. Psalm 127 says, he who puts his trust in God is like Mount Zion. He is immovable. Folks, listen carefully. The rest of this message is so encouraging. You have anchors. You need to use them. And I want to tell you what those anchors are. And when you're going through a rough time, and I probably need to say this, when you're going through a rough time, maybe a, a shipwreck in your life, the worst thing in the world you can do is to start changing other things. Just deal with that. You know, I've had people, they've lost a loved one to death or divorce. Well, I guess I'll just move. You know, I'll just get out of here and go somewhere and start all over. That may be, but don't do it right away. You know, don't, don't make those decisions and start discarding and drifting like that. 
All right, three truths in this passage. Three reasons, three results, and now we're going to have three answers uh, for when we're going through the rough time to stabilize you. The, oh, I love these. They're so simple. But when I think about them in detail and depth, it just really can change your life. The first anchor is in verse 22. Paul says this. Remember, it's all bad stuff. But I urge you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. That's, folks, that's the, uh, con- the, the words of a confident man. Don't, don't worry. You know, the ship will be lost, but you won't. Why? How, how could he say that? Well, let's read on. Verse 23, because last night when an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me, what did God do? He sent an angel to stand beside Paul. And so the first anchor, are you ready? The first anchor is God's presence. You can't get rid of it. So don't even try. The first truth out of this passage is storms cannot hide the face of God. Are you listening? You may not see him, but he sees you. And he sees you perfectly in what you're going through. He is with you. Paul had that personal experience, a reminder. He said a representative of God, he sent an angel right out here in the middle of the Mediterranean in this ship, and he said, Paul, don't worry about this. And the Lord says that in so many places. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you till the end of the age. Um, You know, things like uh, I'm going to give you a comforter who will be with you forever. Wherever you are, God is. You need to remember that when you're going through a rough time. Anchor number one is God's presence. Page 24, verse 24. This angel stood by me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You, what's the next word? Must. I circle that. may not seem important to you. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of of all who sail with you. Paul, you're on this boat because I got a purpose for your life. And Paul, you wanted to go to Rome, you're going. And you are going to speak before Caesar. So what did Paul have? He had God's purpose that can't be changed. Write that one down, please. God's purpose. Paul, don't be afraid. Yeah, it may get bad. You may go through some skirmishes. You may get wet, but it is inevitable. Folks, listen, God's purpose for your life, he is a sovereign God. And you you are not going to change. If your life is here to here and you've got 80 or 90 years in in here, whatever you do along here, you're going to have storms. You're going to have things going wrong along the way, but you're going to get where God wants you to be. You're going to get there because of the purpose of God. Storms are just temporary setbacks. They are the, the, the anchor of your soul is that God is there and that God has a purpose for your life. Then there's a third anchor, a third truth. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, 
for I have faith in God. Your, your translation may say, I believe God. It will happen just as he told me. Isn't that great? So what's the third thing he has? The promise of God. God's presence, God's purpose, and God's promise. God said to him, you're going to make it. Does God keep his promises? You bet he does. Storms cannot destroy the child of God because you've got the promise of God. And that's more important. Now, stay with me. I hear the, I hear the ruffling. You filled, out, you filled out every fill in the blank, so you're ready to go. I may just give you four or five more fill in the blanks here. Getting that wallet out so you can get to that restaurant. Nah, kidding with you. Paul said, keep courage, for I have faith that it will happen just as he told me. Now, some of you are going through a devastating crisis maybe right now. And it's a different kind that I've been talking about, but you know it, and, and it's tough. Your problems are overwhelming you. And you may think, you know what, I'm going under. And I don't know if this is the last time or not. Can I tell you something from God? Okay? That I really believe God wants me to say to you? It would be this. You may lose the boat. You may lose the cargo. You may lose the tackle. You may get wet. You may get snake bit like Paul did later. But you're going to make it because of the promise of God. And I believe it. Amen. God, oh, this is this, man, this is a great phrase. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Isn't that great? I mean, those 275 ought to be awful glad that the majority didn't win out. Everybody in the boat was saved because of Paul. You know what lesson I get out of that? That the safest place for you to be is around godly people. And that's why you ought to be here every Sunday and get around godly people so that at least you have some, amen, have some connection with them. Safest place you can be. So, all right, well, Pastor, what do I do while I'm waiting for God to fulfill that promise? What do I do? See, some of you might right now, that may be where you are. Can I tell you what you do? Hang on. Like one of my favorite songs of the 60s, Hang On, Sloopy. You young kids can look that up. Hang on, Sloopy. You'll like it. You'll like the beat. Here's what Paul did in verse 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern. Anchor yourself in the truths of God. Amen. And they did what? Prayed for daylight. So what do you do? You pray. You pray for daylight. And you know what? Joy comes in the morning. Verse 39. When daylight came, they didn't recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground, run it, boom, right up into it. And then, of course, let the waves beat the ship up, and it did. They ran the ship aground. They all jumped overboard to swim to land. Those that could swim, swam. Verse 44, the rest who couldn't swim 
were to get on planks, the boards that were breaking up in the water, on pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached the land in safety. 276. Is there a storm about to break up your ship this morning? You feel like it's falling apart, you're going under? Spout with me if you would. Some of you may be drifting. You're kind of confused, drifting along in life. Some of you may be tempted to discard, throw certain things away, give up on a job, give up on a marriage, give up on a situation. Some of you may be at the point of feeling like you're despairing. Hey, you know what? This is impossible. Pastor, I'm never going to get well. This marriage is never going to be put together. God says, I'm with you. The presence of God. Folks, let these truths that we talked about stabilize your life and give you the confidence you need in what you're dealing with. Again, they cannot hide the face of God. See, the situation was falling apart, but Paul wasn't. He had confidence in God's presence and God's purpose and God's promise. I want to just say this to you. Are you a child of God? You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Now, the question is, maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe you've not given your life to him. And, and you would like to. You say, I, I would like to be a believer. I would like to, to know that I'm forgiven. I'd like to know that I'm going to heaven and that I have this presence of God to help me in all my life. Well, let me just tell you, it's simple, but it's something you need to do from a sincere heart. It's not saying the words that I say to you, but it's believing them in your heart. So would you maybe right now in your heart be able to say, or you can say it a little bit out loud if you want to. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things I shouldn't. And it's a sin against you. And you're a holy God. But the good part is I, I believe what I've been hearing, that Jesus loves me. And he died for me, for me. Shed his blood and rose again. And I believe that. Lord, I don't know a lot about the Bible and this religious thing, but I believe that part. I'm a great sinner, but he's a great savior. And I want to trust him right now as my Lord and my God. If you haven't settled that, settle that right now, this morning. And I'd love for you to tell me. I'll be in the foyer to say, Pastor, I prayed. Just come by to see me. I don't care what door you go out and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. 
I prayed that prayer. Now I got help with the storms of my life. Some of you needed this message today because you're in a hopeless situation. Some of you don't need it today, but you're going to need it. Storms don't play favorites. Ask the Lord to help you, and he will. Let's stand together. And oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. Nothing compares with your embrace, light of the world forever rain. I want to say thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, great, great crowd today. And I, I really wish that I could say hi to everybody, but with about 800 folks on a Sunday, it's hard. But, you know, I'd love to, I'm out there, and I don't mind if you come by just to say hi, especially today, if you've trusted the Lord as your Savior, I'd really love to be able to hear that. And a lot of people have asked me, no, I don't have socks on yet, but I did get some new Skechers, and they're, yeah, man, they're black to match my pants, and all I got to do is get in the closet and do that, and I'm done. Uh, I'm just, I'm just afraid, I'm afraid to bend over. (laughs) You know, put on socks, so this has got to work. Okay, God bless y'all. Have a great, great day. Thank you for being here. I put one to sleep. Yeah, yeah.